From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Political commentator and investigative journalist, you're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, welcome, everybody. Welcome to this live broadcast. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. You're listening to TNT Today's News Talk. Great to have you with us here on Monday. Uh, what a weekend it's been. Would it be, it's been a difficult weekend for a lot of people watching what's unfolding right now, especially in Gaza, watching what's unfolding around the world, um, but no more difficult than the people who are directly involved uh, in that situation. Now we're going to try to give some light on to some of these really key issues and some of the emerging things that are coming up uh, with regards to Israel's incursions into South Lebanon. In the second hour, we'll be joined by veteran Middle East journalist Leila Hatoum from Lebanon. Uh, she's been on the ground. She's been to the border region reporting. We're very fortunate uh, to get her on the program today. She's very busy, but we're going to try to bring her in on the line in the second hour for those updates. This is going to be a very valuable conversation for everybody. So I hope you guys are still tuning in in the second hour and the first hour. In a few minutes, actually, we're going to connect with writer Neil McRae uh, about the end of the rules-based order. It died in Gaza says Neil McRae. We'll find out more. Looking forward to this conversation. And also in the second hour, there's a new track out uh, from a great musician uh, based in Europe, um, also a kind of uh, protege, if you will, of Manu Chow. Uh, it's called The Palestinian Children, and the artist collective is Peyote for President. Peyote is going to join us at the top of the second hour to unveil his new track. So I'm excited about that. I've had to listen to it. It's absolutely amazing. Great musicians. These are top flight international world music artists. We're very fortunate to have Peyote visiting us on this program. Uh, looking forward to that. Now, just to hit some of the big stories that we need to address uh, right now, as far as the U.S. goes, they're still dragging their heels uh, on this. The world is dithering, dragging its heels on the ceasefire question, and water is running out. You're seeing famine now. Uh, you're seeing Israel attacking hospitals. Why Why is Israel targeting hospitals? Why? Why is the disabling the medical system in Gaza, such a high priority for Israel. Well, the party line that they're pushing out is that Hamas is uh, supposedly Hamas, the governing body of Palestine, who's also designated as a terrorist group, are somehow hiding out under all the hospitals. This is according to the Israelis, um, yet they haven't shown any evidence of this yet. Uh, the only thing they have released is a CGI rendering of some animation. Uh, that was like two weeks ago, and that's all they've done. So they haven't actually delivered any receipts. So not only that, with all the damage that's been done in Gaza, the sort of 30,000 or 50,000 plus buildings that have been destroyed, the leveling of the northern part of the city residents, 1.1 million people live there. Okay, after all of that, they, they cannot produce any confirmation that they've actually killed any of these so-called Hamas leaders that they're looking for. So just let that sink in for a moment. They flattened the city. They've killed, uh, you know, thousands of people, well over 11,000. They've killed uh, 4,500 Palestinian children, little boys and girls. Many women as well included in that death toll, sadly. Many young men, not terrorists, just normal people, people trying to live their lives. They haven't produced any evidence that they have killed all these Hamas commanders. So in other words, from the Israeli point of view, they say, well, we've done the bombing, yet we're sorry, we're, we're trying to avoid civilian casualties, but we're trying to get Hamas. But yet after a month, a full month, they have not produced any receipts to prove that they have actually killed any of the Hamas. Okay. Think about that a month. You'd think if they had the receipts, they'd be publicizing them from all four corners of the planet. But they they haven't done, which tells us that they don't have it. They make they're making vague claims saying, yes, we've we've neutralized these targets and we've disabled the enemy and but no specifics. All all we have for receipts is uh, uh 16, 17 destroyed hospitals 
another 30 primary care facilities and at least 20 shelters, UN shelters, UN schools, churches, and mosques. Okay, those are the receipts that we have that the Israelis have destroyed, but yet they have not provided any receipts that these somehow neutralized Hamas secret bases. That apparently Hamas has 20, 23,000 secret bases in this tiny postage stamp half of the city, northern Gaza. Okay. No, they don't. Obviously, they don't. So the, the, the narrative, the justification by Israel is ridiculous in the extreme. They're lying. They're lying to the Americans, they're lying to the Europeans, they're lying to the world, but worst of all, of course, they're lying to their own people. Nobody is more heavily propagandized than the Israeli population. Let's be clear on that, okay? You need to be heavily propagandized to, to even half buy in to what this regime is actually doing. Uh, so Benjamin Netanyahu is making some of the most cringeworthy statements publicly. Um, his popularity with his own people is plummeting. The only reason he's tolerated is because they believe they're at war and somehow he's protecting them or they can't change leadership midstream as per usual with polling. So meanwhile, you have ethnic cleansing in Gaza. It, we saw tens of thousands of people frog marched with their hands up to walk 30 kilometers so they don't die. And Israel says that's not ethnic cleansing. They say, no, that's not ethnic cleansing. And what we've done is not genocide by cutting off the water, food, destroying hospitals with people inside the hospitals. That's not genocide, apparently. So th th we don't know where this is going to end up. But we already know this is as bad as it gets. Okay. It sh this would be unacceptable. Just think about the. Think about the global horror. Remember the dusty boy images of little Omran in Syria, in Aleppo? Dusty boy of Aleppo. That's a story that we broke at 21st Century Wire way back when, during the Syrian, quote, civil war. Remember the global outrage that was in front of the sun, the mirror, the mail, the New York Times, the Post. Everybody had dusty boy. CNN was running with dusty boy. This little dusty boy in the horror, He's he's been traumatized by Assad's barrel bombs. Well, there was no evidence of Assad's barrel bombs, but plenty of evidence of the so-called moderate rebels with their sort of hell cannons, which are modified gas tank cannons, propane bombs, basically, and blowing up buildings. More likely, Omran in Aleppo was hit with the U.S.-backed moderate rebels munitions. But the media got the images, they took the photos, and it went viral because it was the trauma of this poor child. He was still alive. It was the trauma that we are meant to bond with. Okay. Look at all we've seen in Gaza. There's plenty of trauma there, but the West haven't bonded with it for some reason. Well, they have. But the people that are pushing this stuff out in the mainstream media, all this kind of Israeli trauma propaganda about how Israelis are, Israelis are frightened, they're feeling anxiety, the rockets from Hamas. Okay. There's no, there, there, there's no rockets landing from Hamas in Israel, maybe here or there, but yet Israel's carpet bombing with U.S. planes and bombs and killing tens of thousands of people. Eventually, it will be tens of thousands. Eventually. They're just getting warmed up, we're told. But yet, that does, that's not sufficient to traumatize the people, the good people, the, the democracy-loving people of the West. It's not enough to traumatize them. They bonded with Dusty Boy of Aleppo, but they won't bond with the Palestinian parent who literally cannot find their children under the rubble. And when they do, the children are coming out, in some cases, not whole. I don't want to get into the details. We're watching this. But you, if you're watching CNN, Fox, BBC, you won't be watching this. You're not seeing what we're seeing, but it's all there. It's on every social media platform on the planet. What's the problem here? Why the disconnect? Why can't we bond with the trauma of the Palestinian? Because we're instructed not to. We're conditioned not to. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the power, the, the absolute sheer power of propaganda. You're witnessing it real time. You don't even need to take a university class. Just pay attention. 
you'll have a master's degree within days. Let's take a break here with TNT, today's news talk, and connect our next guest, Neil McRae on the other side. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Stay right there. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, Certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. (laughs) When the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're still now number one in this broadcast. Thank you for joining us. It's a wonderful Monday, wherever you are. I hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, Anyway, we're here for a certain reason, which is to inform you, to enlighten you. And with any uh, luck, we may even just uh, entertain you now and again over the next two hours. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is TNT, today's news talk. Now, we're going to do a hard pivot here to global affairs, international relations, geopolitics. I want to welcome onto the program uh, independent journalist, writer, Neil McRae, who hails from the United Kingdom. He's joining us on the line right now, and he's just append an article which is up at 21stCenturyWire.com, and that is the end of the rules-based international order by neil mccray neil uh, welcome to the program 
Very nice to be with you again, uh, Patrick. Great to have you as well. I appreciate appreciate your uh, speaking up on this issue, Neil, because you're kind of articulating here a little bit of a bigger picture. A lot of us have been watching what's unfolded over the last you know month or so, uh, pretty much unfettered <laughs> aggression on a kind of industrial scale. Uh, the sort of thing that would prompt some kind of military humanitarian intervention in the past by the United States, but uh, nothing here. In fact, quite the opposite. There's people lobbying not to have a ceasefire, uh, including the leaders of the UK, the EU and the United States. I think Emmanuel Macron in France is the only one recently who's like stepped out over the line and said, actually, this is too much. Uh, we need a ceasefire and we need to get humanitarian supplies and save lives. A month late, I'll take it though, Neil. Uh, but for the re as for the rest of them, as for the rest of them, uh, this is uh, this is not a good look. But it has bigger implications, doesn't it? Go ahead, Neil. Well, it's quite astonishing, isn't it, that we're witnessing a sickening slaughter before our eyes on our TV screens, on the internet, and our leaders want it to carry on. And um, my article that's up on 21st Century Wire today about the, uh, the claim that the rules-based international order has been exposed as a fraud, um, that, that sort of emanates from an article written by um, Farkan Farah on Al Jazeera. And she sort of centered that argument on the efforts of the British government to ban um, what was an enormous uh, march uh, for Palestine on Saturday. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, let's just start with that for the moment. I mean, I saw various uh, figures, numbers, attendance numbers and so forth, fully aware of the police, the authorities tend to downplay the numbers. The numbers, especially when it's something that goes, you know, against the government itself. Um, but it seemed to me by people who attended said that it was significant, uh, maybe on par with the pre-Iraq war uh, um, marches in London. There's legendary marches in 2003. Would, would, is that a fair assessment, not Neil? Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. That's the second of the Palestine marches that I've been on since the 7th of October. And this one was um, unprecedented. I haven't seen anything like it. I mean, I, I didn't go to the the Iraq war uh, march uh, back in, um, you know, 20 odd years ago. And that was supposed to have been the biggest march ever in uh, British history, wasn't it? Um, I know people that were at the march on Saturday who'd been at both, and they said that the Palestine march on Saturday was at least as large. Uh, and, and, of course, leading up, in the week leading up to the march, um, the government was making lots of noises about how the march shouldn't go ahead and there was lots of pressure on, uh, 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 you know, Suella Braverman was pushing for it to be banned. And... I actually think, though, that the government wanted the march to go ahead all along. Um, and, and that's for two reasons. Um, firstly, the march was just too big to ban. And if they had have banned it, people would have turned up anyway. And that would have made the government look uh, ludicrously weak. But the second reason, which I find is a bit more sinister, is that the government wanted to repolarize the debate. So rather than it being the government versus the pro-Palestine marchers, uh, they incited this, uh, you know, so-called far-right uh, uh, gathering of patriots to turn up to defend uh, the cenotaph. So you see, they repolarized it. Uh, it's the old tactics of divide and rule, isn't it? Um, and and. Um, what I find really quite uh, disturbing is the way that the, the, the media, mainstream media, um, and not just the usual sort of Daily Mail pundits, but people who were supposedly on the side of freedom for the last three years over the COVID regime, have completely uh, sided with Israel, shown no concern at all for this massacre of innocent people in Gaza. And there was um, 
uh, I can't remember who, 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 all the people that were there, but it was Toby Young, Laura Dodsworth, Alison Pearson, among others, who went to Churchill's statue on Saturday to defend it, to defend <laughs> it from the pro-Hamas yobs. Now, these Palestine marches, uh, Patrick, they are almost entirely peaceful. They're just like a massive, massive um, uh, tidal wave of people who are concerned and really can't believe that we're in a state where the government is actually supporting this uh, mass murder. But the marches are dignified, very peaceful. And the organizers of the march said straight away when this you know thing about Armistice Day came up, they said, look, we, we don't need to go near the cenotaph. And they, and they didn't. They rearranged the route to go from Marble Arch down to the American embassy. And there was really uh, no trouble at all. But the likes of Toby Young and Laura Dodsworth and Alison Pearson are constantly going on about how these marches are a danger to Jewish people and that they're deeply anti-Semitic and ugly and, um, 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 you know, hate crimes on, all, on, on, on the placards. Um, meanwhile, those same commentators, Patrick, who, who turned up at um, Westminster on Saturday were criticising these um, uh, uh, oiks who turned up with their St. George's uh, cross and the Union Jack and you know the, the, the government got the headlines it wanted, didn't they? they? They sent they sent the riot police in to just get get a bit of aggro going. I mean, nothing much happened, but enough to get the headlines that the government wanted. But the, these commentators, like Alison Pearson, were talking these uh, far right um, hooligans, and and yet those men, mostly men, working class men, were just going to Westminster for the same reason that they were there. And what you see here is a dreadful class snobbery. There's working class um, uh, patriots um, must be put down by the commentariat, by the intelligentsia. Uh, and I find that really quite... Um, uh, Wait, so, 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 the, so that's kind of the Tommy Robinson kind of... Uh, affiliated crowd there clashing with the elite uh kind of mainstream media zionist defenders of whatever the churchill statue had a side skirmish that broke out among them um well well yes i mean the police stopped the the uh the 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 the, the, the flag waving um sort of uh, football supporters encouraged by tommy robinson to turn up on saturday Police stopped them from getting anywhere near the centre, but actually they managed to break through. And probably that was always the intention that they would break through, and then the headlines would be about the police being attacked by these by these thugs. And there's also a, 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 a lead story on the Daily Mail today about how a, a father and son, who are Arsenal football supporters, coming back from the football match on Saturday that they were going through Victoria Station where there was another sit-in by the pro-Palestinian um, uh, followers. And they were using um, very industrial language, shall I say, you know, to, um, and, and calling these uh, protesters terrorists. And this was videoed by, you know, one of the people that they were swearing at. And now that now those, those um, that, that father and son have been identified and they you know like many of the uh, football uh, hooligans as they were called at Whitehall they're going to be apprehended by the police no doubt but you see the point I'm making here Patrick is that these people were incited by the government and, and not just the to, government not just the government and you can talk about the uh, you know Suella Braverman uh, but yeah. they're also incited by the Douglas Murrays of the world Absolutely. who seem to be acting on behalf of 
the British uh, government, the Tory government, and also the Israeli government, um, it seems. I mean, Murray's in Israel doing his kind of media tour there uh, with his uh, first time he's ever worn a flak jacket in his life. Apparently, I'm sure he's quite far away from anything harmful, although he did the duck in the he duck in the ditch routine, you know, that uh, the CNN reporters do like during the middle of their stand up to camera. They say, wait, oh, oh we're told there's a missile coming oh, and they. They do the CNN shuffle and act like there's a big kerfuffle and then come up and say, I'm all right. We're not afraid. You know, kind of, I mean, I can't believe I'm watching this garbage. But um, so I think there's there, there's a joint effort, Neil, there between these so-called conservative influencers who look like they're working really on behalf of the state and then the, the, the government itself. But uh, go ahead. Well, I think you've also got... Uh, prominent influencers on the left who are uh, working for the state. Now, I did a speech at the uh, uh, Palestine rally at Hyde Park Corner on Saturday, and I was talking about them and us. And I was trying to get people to see that the them and us is not left versus right, but it's about the ordinary people versus the ruling class. Mm. And uh, actually, those football fans with their Union Jacks and the uh, pro-Palestinian supporters. Although they wouldn't see eye to eye, they're basically on the same side. And of course they can't see that. And one of the reasons they don't see it, Patrick, is because they are told that the real enemy in society is the far right. That's all, you know, like hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million people there on Saturday. Um, so instead of the focus being all about the government, there was also this thing about the, um, the, the you know, the far, far right um, counter protesters. Now, there really wasn't much trouble in the end, but the Morning Star was being given out free to everyone that was there. Socialist Workers Party had a massive presence. Now, just like the Iraq war, the Socialist Workers Party always hijack these mass protests, especially protests that um, can be aligned with the left. And the purpose of the Socialist Workers' Party is to maintain and reinforce the left-right divide. Um, so the, uh, the, the, obviously there's a pro-Palestinian stance in the, the, the Morning Star, which is, uh, I believe, an organ of the Socialist Workers' Party. Um, but actually, if you read between the lines of the Morning Star, um, fundamentally, they support the state of Israel. Yes. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up, Neil. So this is left-wing Zionism, basically. Yeah. This is the, and, and most of the groups, the organizing groups who hijack these movements, like you've you've identified a couple of key players there. It stopped the war coalition. Okay, there's another one. They're 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 yeah. basically it's Zionism from the left. So you have Zionism coming from the right with the uh you know the elite Churchill guardians there, and then you have Zionism coming from the left. And it to to, to basically corral everybody in the middle and to marginalize anybody that uh does not subscribe to to that that really is just about pro-human rights and allowing people self-determination and liberation struggles throughout history you know basic stuff but yet they do they're there they absolutely try to farm support out of these types of situations go ahead yes absolutely i mean the, the whole sort of cultural marxist project which we can now see in the woke ideology that is all about uh, divide and rule and it's all about reinforcing this left-right divide. And I wouldn't be surprised, Patrick, if the likes of the Morning Star um, take at least some share, directly or indirectly, in the, um, the, the funding by the Zionist um, government. Uh, we know that our media just, just completely fall over themselves in support of uh, Israel. They always will. And they're even doing it now when we see genocide going on in uh, Gaza. And, and, and so I, I, I think there are actors who very cleverly pretend to be um, 
pushing the side of the oppressed when they're actually serving the oppressor. 100%. I'm in 100% agreement with that. That's uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, this is a big feature, not a bug. It's a big feature of these types of movements. Now, I will say this, though, um, you know, in America and some parts of the, the Douglas Murray wing of he's, he's kind of, you know, carpet bagged over to America now, but um, for the most part, but re sort of reinvented himself as a conservative commentator, whatever here in America. But um, what, what I, what I know is that they try to paint support for Palestinians as a woke, as woke pro Hamas terrorist sympathizers and uh, support for Israel as being anti-woke conservative. And of mm -hmm. course, if you back a ceasefire, then you're woke pro-Hamas, if you don't back a ceasefire, you're anti-woke uh, conservative, and therefore, ergo, you're on the right side of the issue, according to that group that cultivated all that support in the anti-lockdown movement, as you mentioned, the anti-vax movement, as you mentioned. Um, so, But it isn't really, you know, for those of us who have been engaged in the issue for 25, 30, 40 years, um, it's never been, that, that predated woke and anti-woke. It was just basically right there alongside apartheid as a kind of a major global unresolved uh, liberation and human rights struggle issue. It's always been that way. And so, I mean, I will sort of, you know, lay down my differences on with all the 99 out of 100 other issues with the left when I'm out supporting this Palestinian cause. I am aware of what you said, Neil, which is correctly pointed out. You're correct about the groups co-opting this and, and their sub agendas, which are Zionist on the left and the right. You're correct there. But as an individual, I've sort of decided that I'm going to, you know, plow ahead because, you know, m the more people I think that see this as a pure humanitarian issue, as a pure human issue, uh, as you said, opposing genocide and ethnic cleansing, we can all we should all be able to agree on this. But yet we're not agreeing on it. Neil, this is this is the crazy thing about this. But we got a minute, uh, two minutes before the next break. But go ahead. I want to continue the geopolitical discussion on their side, but I'll, I'll give you the floor for the remaining part of the segment. Go ahead, Neil. Well, I was marching with um, some strange bedfellows on Saturday. You know, there was probably, I guess, about two thirds of the people attending were um, Muslim. Um, of the of the third that went Muslim. Um, uh, a mixture of um, ethnicities and religions, I guess, plenty of Jews there. Um, not many black uh, people, which I found was interesting, but lots of you know white middle-class people there. And almost everyone, I'd say probably 90% of the people I was marching with would not see eye to eye with me on just about everything else. But like you say, Patrick, this is a matter of principle. And I think that conservative influencers and particularly badly those who claim to be uh, part of the you know, big names in the freedom movement, have failed this moral test. Mm. Instead of taking a principled stance against this massacre, they have just reverted to type and are just using this to attack Muslims and mass immigration. But that's not the topic here. That's not the priority. The priority is that as we speak, and just during the time that we've been um, talking this afternoon, Patrick, um, dozens more um, Palestinians will have been killed in Gaza just while we've been speaking by these missiles raining down from the IDF. They chose politics over principles. They chose power over principles. Clearly, this, why why else would people like this, do, especially people that are in somewhat higher level positions in in, in proximity to mainstream media and this, the, the the halls of power in politics? Of course, this is a career decision that they're making. They're putting their careers, their reputations, uh, way above principles. And what uh, what we're going to talk about on the other side, I'm here with independent journalist Niall McRae, is what is the blowback from this? If you choose, if you choose power and politics over principles, 
globally, what will be the blowback? What are the ramifications of this? What will end, be the end price that the Western powers will pay as a result of this misadventure, we can say. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. You're listening to TNT. Today's news talk. Stay right there. You've been warned. Climate change will now become part of public health. From Washington, D.C., this is the Morano Minute with your host, TNT Radio's Mark Morano. Over 200 health journals call on the United Nations and the World Health Organization to recognize climate change as a, quote, global health emergency. The journals, led by the British Medical Journal, argue, quote, human health is damaged directly by the climate crisis. The medical journals claim that climate meets the three preconditions for the world health to declare a public health emergency. Make no mistake, this is not about public health or the climate. This is about seeking COVID-like lockdown powers once again. But the alleged climate crisis, unlike viral epidemics, has no end. There's no criteria by which they'll ever declare climate change solved. We will be living under a permanent emergency order crisis. If the WHO gets their pandemic treaty, they could literally restrict airline travel, car travel, meat eating, encourage black all under the auspices of a public health emergency. This is the Great Reset. Reject the reset. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute on TNT Radio. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve, healing, nurturing, rescuing, protecting, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations has never been more important, and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you, the Nonprofit Alliance. Political commentator and investigative journalist, you're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT Today's News Talk. This is Patrick Henningsen. You're listening to the Patrick Henningsen Show in the first hour of this live broadcast. Pleased to be joined. A great writer, great independent commentator, and a very, very strong voice, really, in, in terms of the anti-war. I don't know. Is there an anti-war movement? I don't know. I think it's a, it's a very small movement, it seems, but it seems to be also growing, too, with what we're seeing unfolding on the streets all around the world. Neil McRae is on the line right now from the United Kingdom. And, you know, putting aside the, the, the absolute spectacle that we're seeing with the people pouring onto the streets for what, you know, wasn't an issue that wasn't even on the radar uh, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, Neil, it's it's to me extraordinary. It tells me that people recognize right and wrong. It tells me that people recognize basic principles that we were talking about in the previous segment. But here's the problem, Neil. The people are out on mass. It's clear what the global voice is. The majority of the global voice is very clear on this. But for mainstream media and in the halls of government, and corporations, not so much, not so much. I, it seems like they're taking the side of more war. Uh, they're taking the side of carpet bombing civilian areas and then trying to rationalize it as some kind of anti-terror operation. Uh, but that's the minority. So that's that's interesting because when your article, you, you're talking about how, especially the G7 elite countries, that's the United States, Britain, Canada, Germany, France, Japan. Uh, I don't know if I left anybody out, but the EU, not really a country, but they're in there. Um, so, but they've hung their hat on this rules-based international order. So explain to us what this concept is meant to be and why it has potentially died in Gaza. Go ahead, Neil. Well, the rules-based international order um isn't really rules-based at all, as we've found in the last um, four uh, weeks. But, but the concept is about uh, the West ensuring that um, uh, basic sort of democratic rights apply um, where, where, wherever they can um, um, ensure this across the world. I mean, you remember the, the response to 9-11 uh, was about... Um, uh, 
um, b bombing Iraq with um, democracy bombs, you know. Um, so the, the idea that you can impose a sort of Western-style democracy on, uh, on, on other cultures um, hasn't been working out uh, very well. Uh, but this is about, uh, you know, what, what we could call the new world order. Uh, and that phrase has been used, you know, by presidents and uh, um, all kinds of illustrious people. So it's not just a conspiracy theory. Uh, now, Israel's response to the um, event on the 7th of October was immediately to declare war. And by declaring war, that gave Israel a license to go beyond uh, what would normally be considered to be the rules-based international order about how countries uh, are able to um, uh, behave. And it, they, they caught the Israeli government referred to this as their 9-11. Now, I actually agree with them on that. I think it was their 9-11, but I think it was their 9-11 in the same way that it was... Uh, that America had its 9-11, the, 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 the Twin Towers. I believe that these were, uh, to a large extent, um, uh, uh, planned events, false flags, that were enabled all kinds of things to happen afterwards. And if you remember, uh, George W. Bush referred to the axis of evil. So that was, I think there was five countries, uh, Syria, Iran, Iraq, and North Korea. I, I can't quite remember all five of them. But I think what we're now seeing, Patrick, as um, Furkan Farah uh, described in that article on Al Jazeera, I think we're, we're, we're seeing the rules-based international order uh, exposed as a fraud. It is just about power. It's partisan, it's unprincipled, it's not really about rules, it's just about a heavy-duty boot stamping on the faces of anyone else who, who tries to challenge the um, real axis of evil, which I would say is Washington, Whitehall, Brussels, and the Zionist government in Tel Aviv. Yeah, they, they really, they, they kind of outlined that uh... That, that dichotomy you're talking about during the during the Ukraine conflict, they said it's the democratic world versus the authoritarian world. And it's the it's the duty of the democratic world to stamp out authoritarianism and bring democracy kind of an extension of uh, Iraq, the responsibility to protect, you, you know, humanitarian interventions. But when you say rules based international order, and this is being, you know, parroted by the likes of you know, Theresa May, David Cameron, Boris Johnson, Rishi Sunak, and everybody going forward. I probably missed a few British prime ministers in there. There was a couple that were like PM for a week or whatever. Um, it is meant to supersede international law because the international law is very specific, but a rules-based international order, that's very vague and arbitrary. You can actually change those rules, can't you? Uh, in, in a fluid fashion, you don't need to, you're not, you're not bound by any international treaties or principles. You can kind of, it's a free for all basically. So that what they're saying, Neil, if it's, if it's about power, as you said, then if, then it's about, uh, is, is it Lenin who said who and whom? Then it's about who is supporting whom or who is doing what to whom. So if Israel is doing this to the Palestinians, if they're backed or allied with the United States and Britain, then it's okay. If they're not, then they'll be sanctioned and dragged through the ringer like Russia was. And Russia didn't do really anything on par with what Israel's done uh, here in the last month. But it seems to me that concept is just designed to replace or say displace the 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 liberal multilateral international system that was built post World War II with all the you know conventions Geneva conventions uh, the United Nations uh, United Nations uh, Human Rights Council and all of these things all these things are being basically eviscerated in in the, in the, as futile institutions in the face of this power but you're saying neil that this power still needs legitimacy from the people what what, what do you think yes well i, I mean I, I think the way that it's marketed by western leaders it, it's uh, there's a, there's always a kind of 
presentation of it as being something which is laid down in sort of uh, countries getting together and and agreeing certain norms and uh, standards and rules. Um, but I, I think, as you suggest, Patrick, it's not really like that. It's actually quite a vague concept which can be applied very arbitrarily. And we've seen a lot of, of arbitrary actions by the West and by NATO, you know, what's going on in uh, uh, Ukraine uh, uh, for the last year and a half. Um, so I, I, I think what's happened with um, what, what hopefully people will see, more and more people will wake up to over the last, you know, four to five weeks um, of the Israeli military bombardment of um, Gaza is that there aren't really any rules. There aren't really any principles. It's just whose side are we supposed to be on? And uh, and just very briefly, in, in my article on 21st Century Wire, I, I harked back to the, the comedy series uh, Borat with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. And, <laughs> um, uh, you know, he was um, a sort of parody of a Kazakh sort of Jew-hating uh, goat herdsman uh, in his backward village. And um, uh, and in his travels in the West, he, he comes up with all kinds of cultural uh, <laughs> comedy. And um, in one of these, he goes to an art class and the, the people attending are asked to paint what they're feeling. And Borat uh, paints all these figures lying on the ground with blood and guts spewing out of their, their dead bodies. And the teacher um, asks, uh, oh, what, what, are you, what have you painted here? And he said, oh, this is massacre. And the teacher says, oh, I'm so sorry. That must be so traumatic for you. And Borat says, no, this is very beautiful. Uh, Uzbeks, very bad people. Now, that is exactly how the so-called rules-based international order is treating the Palestinians. Yeah, very good, very good uh, metaphor there. You come right out in the beginning of your article. I just dropped your article actually into our TNT uh, chat community. Uh, great to see you guys in there. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat. Let me see, we have over 100 people uh, in there right now. Check out Neil's article, um, read it and share it, everybody. It's an excellent piece. And I think it's important that you're making this point, Neil, because uh, at, this is at the same time, Neil, that there's another kind of, there's a kind of multipolar uh, order emerging. There's a multipolar order emerging. There are competitive alliances to the sort of Western um, Atlanticist bloc, you could say, led by the Anglo-Americans. Okay, um, there's competing poles of power around the world, and so as the you know Western hegemony led by the U.S., uh, is losing a little bit of its traction in terms of legitimacy in the international system. Uh, competing alliances like BRICS and so forth are emerging, China and Russia as an example. Um, so this rules-based international order is actually accelerating the demise of the West. You could argue it that way. Go ahead. Uh, and is that the intention, uh, Patrick? Because if you remember those World Economic Forum videos we were all watching at the start of the COVID regime, and th that one where the, the, where it's uh, about 10 things that are going to happen, and uh, I think the phrase that people remember the most is, uh, you, you will own nothing and you will be happy. But one of the other ones is that the US will no longer be the only superpower. And it shows the flags of various other countries, including um, uh, uh, China. So I wonder how much of this is part of the controlled demolition job that they're doing on the West to kind of uh, restructure the whole sort of um, geopolitical framework of the world. Um, because I, I think that the, the globalist technocracy that they're creating doesn't need the, the US to be the only um, superpower, to be the world's policeman, because the police will be the technocrats. 
Yeah, you don't need one hyperpower now. Uh, if a system is erected, yeah. digital, a digital system, as you said, a, a WEF uh, style global digital plantation, uh, then yeah, then it does go into the hands of the technocrats. And then I, I will ask you, Neil, why do you need governments at that point? There are traditional governments. They, they become futile as well. Two minutes left. I'll give you the floor for your final thoughts. Go ahead, Neil McRae. Well, the uh, proponents of the New World Order, you know, g going back to the 1920s with Technocracy Incorporated, but going right through to the Bilderberg Group and the Trilateral Commission, they've all been against political ideology. Now, if you get rid of politics, you basically get rid of governments. Mm -hmm. Because um, uh, uh, unless you've got a totalitarian uh, government, but we're not going to have totalitarian governments in isolation. We're just going to have one totalitarian world government. That's the way things are going. So uh, I, I kind of almost feel sorry for people now when I see them still getting worked up about, you know, whether Labour is going to win the election or the Tories or whether the Republicans or Democrats are going to prevail in, in the US. It matters less and less. Uh, we can see that it's a uni party in all these countries now just doing whatever the globalists want them to do. And what we've seen for the last four to five weeks, Patrick, doing what the Zionists want them to do. No, 100 percent. Yeah, that, there's there's that. And there's just also the fact that, um, you know, governments are, are national governments already. They're already becoming subservient to larger super state structures. Look at Europe. This is a good example of it. That seems yes. to be the test bed. That's the template. That's the model. It's the European Union. And look how Ursula van der Leyen rushed to Israel to cheer on the bombing raids of Gaza. And then they projected a star of David on the European parliament. And I thought to myself, hold on, how did we get here? It's 2023. <laughs> this is mm. just bizarre. This would have been unacceptable, Neil, 10 years ago, five years ago. So things are moving at a rapid clip. That's for sure. Uh, writer and independent journalist, Neil McRae. And thank you, Neil, for, you know, being out there on the front lines and, you know, also for speaking at some of these public events. Uh, we've also shared a stage at the No to NATO, No to War rallies as well. So I really appreciate you. So do our listeners. And uh, congratulations. Wonderful piece at 21st Century Wire. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure, Patrick. All the best. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That is Neil McRae. Check out that article. I dropped it in the TNT community there. Look, top of the hour news headlines coming up. On the other side, we have a special treat at the beginning of the hour. Peyote for president is going to join us with his new track. And also, we'll have Leila Hatoum, uh, Le uh, Lebanese journalist, veteran war correspondent as well, joining us in the second hour. A lot coming up, so stay right there.